The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy Canada Day weekend, my friends. Indeed, it's a beauty. And we all deserve a little time off. Hey, up north, out in the boat. Uh, price of the pumps uh, certainly being spoken about, uh, I guess, throughout uh, cottage country in the city. It, uh, no reprieve there. Uh, really, anywhere you go, you're seeing higher price. I mean, when I say anywhere, you go to Europe, uh, you'll add another buck and a half or two bucks a, uh, a gallon anyways onto some crude oil. So, uh, yeah, the world's going green. But we keep burning crude. 100 million barrels of it we burn each and every day, my friends. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Well, it's a bull market. And what can I say? A little pullback in the space. Um, but uh, it's a real pleasure. Uh, we're getting uh, some boots on the ground here, trying to find out what is happening in the energy space. Uh, delighted to introduce uh, Mike Buker. He's president of PHX Energy Services, trading on the Toronto stock market, stock exchange, PHX Energy. PHX is a symbol. Uh, Mike, you uh, have been with the company for, you said, north of 20 years. And uh, off air, I, I kibitzed with you and said, uh, also, you saw the stock at 18 bucks. Currently, your stock is trading just under $5. Um, so <laughs> you've seen good days in the oil patch. You've seen bad days in the oil patch. How would you describe today in the oil patch? Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, I think we are in a situation in our business uh, and, and I can expand on uh, a couple of reasons why, but I think we're in a situation where it's it's probably as rosy of an outlook as as we can remember. Um, the the business itself, uh, we are Calgary based, TSX listed, uh, but we do generate about eighty percent of our revenue in the U.S. And um, the Canadian market has gone through lots of ups and downs. Obviously, the U.S. market the same, but the U.S. market is the best uh, directional drilling market, which is what we specialize in. Uh, in the world. And um, if you were to look at the U.S., there, there's really uh, the prime area that you want to be is in West Texas in the Permian Basin. And that's where uh, where we shine. So uh, 80% of the corporate revenue comes out of the U.S. About 85% of U.S. revenue is focused on the Permian Basin. Uh, the rig count there continues to tick up. Uh, as a company, we, we sort of live and die on the rig count. Um, there's about 330 or 340 rigs working in that basin, um, we continue to ca- capture market share away from some large multinational service companies. So uh, things are good right now, to answer your question. You know, the technology that is applied uh, to the oil patch uh, is remarkable, and it, it has gone through uh, tectonic changes, uh, I would say, in the last 15 to 20 years. you obviously in the energy services space. You drill holes up and down, left and right. You probably do circles with your drill bits today, uh, no pun intended. Um, but uh, talk to us about the change um, in technology and what that's meant uh, for the energy patch uh, and what it means uh, on a go-forward basis. So if you, if, from the high level of drilling-wise, if you think about the amount of time it takes to drill a well, um, <clears throat> when I started in this business in the early 90s, a, a typical well, and it, this is all basin dependent, where it's location dependent, but a typical well, um, 
in, uh, and I'll talk about West Texas, um, would be somewhere in the range of, say, 40 to 50 days. If you look at a well in Canada and, say, the Montney or the Duvernay or the Deep Basin or, um, you know, you pick your area, um, that those wells might have taken um, 30 to 40 days. Well, today, uh, those wells that were taking between 30 and 50 days are now taking uh, 12 to 18 days to drill. And what's happened is technology on the, on the drilling rig has really advanced, and there's all sorts of things that have happened uh, on the drilling rig itself. So if you think about the, um, the equipment that it takes to drill a well, you need a rig. Um, we are not in the rig business. Um, we, we provide a bundle of equipment and personnel just to steer the well. So when people hear the term directional drilling, they often think, well, you must have uh, drilling rigs, but that's not the case. So our technology, it's about 30 to 40 meters worth of uh, equipment that we screw onto the end of the drill string. Uh, the drill string is provided by the uh, rig contracting company. But the rig itself, uh, the capabilities of rigs have gotten much better. You can pump more fluid at a faster rate and you can lift more weight with a rig today than ever before. So when that transition happened in sort of the mid 2000, uh, I would say from about 2008 to 2012, a big transition happened with drill rig technology. We as the directional drilling provider uh, took that opportunity to advance our downhole technology. So the um, we have devices, uh, one's called a drilling motor, which is essentially a pump and another uh, piece of equipment called a measurement well drilling tool, which is essentially a string of electronics that tells us where we are. Um, we reinvented our version of those pieces of equipment, make them bigger, stronger, and working in conjunction with a bigger, stronger drilling rig, we've been able to help the operator, our customer, which would be um, the big uh, oil and gas companies that everybody would be familiar with, I think. Uh, to drill wells faster. So technology-wise, it's the ability to cut days off of wells, drill wells faster and more efficiently. Um, and that's where we found our niche, uh, particularly in sort of the western portion of the basin in Canada and uh, the Permian Basin uh, in the U.S. If you're just tuning into the show, it is Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto, each and every Saturday night. Uh, Mike Buecher, President of PHX Energy Services, has joined us. Uh, it's an energy services company uh, focusing on part of the drilling process. Uh, you know, Mike, I continue to uh, be amazed. You know, I understand drills. I, I took shop in school. I very much enjoyed shop and both a metal shop and wood shop. So I've drilled holes both through metal and wood, not so much through the ground and rock. Um, but going up and down, I get going left horizontal drilling. Uh, that's very fascinating. Um, how, how long has your industry been uh, drilling horizontally? Um, how deep do you go to, to, to go horizontal? And how do you actually turn the corner? I'm curious. Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, and, and that's a. I think a lot of people um, miss that uh, that part of what we do. So, the if you think about uh, Let's go back 30 years in the drilling business. Almost every well was drilled vertically. So essentially what you do is you put a drill bit on the end of some pipe and you rotate that pipe. Uh, that's the function of the drilling rig. It rotates the pipe and that bit interacts with the rock and eventually you grind your way down and you might intersect a formation that's, say, uh, 2,000 to 3,000 meters deep in the earth. And down huh. in that formation is porous rock and that rock uh, has uh, oil or natural gas in it, and then you produce it. 
Now that, that layer of rock might be say 50 meters or 20 meters, depending on the area it's thick. So what you've got is if you drill all the way through that vertically, you get say 20 meters of production, uh, they call it pay zone. Now, horizontally, what we do is we have a, a device called a drilling motor, and this motor has a slight bend in the bottom of it. Think of it as a cylindrical tube. It's roughly 30 feet long. Uh, you pump fluid through that motor. It produces torque. Uh, the bit is screwed onto the end of the motor. And whatever direction you orient that bend, a very slight bend in the bottom of the motor, uh, that's the direction the bit's going to drill. So if you want to drill a horizontal well, you orient the bend in the motor in a particular direction, uh, you pump fluid through it, uh, the, the drill string will actually bend around a corner. Now, even though it's going from vertical to horizontal, it, it's doing that in roughly um, 150 to 200 meters of depth. So it's not like it's a very tight corner. Uh, so you think about it's about 150 meters deep and it takes about 150 meters of horizontal displacement to go from vertical to horizontal. And uh, so now you've got this curve built. Now your bit is in the formation. And the trick then is to drill as far as you can in that pay zone to expose uh, the well to as much pay as possible. So instead of at the end of the day, if you've got a thousand meter leg or a horizontal uh, leg on your well, you've got a thousand meters of productive pay zone as opposed to say 20 meters if you just drilled through it vertically. So when you, when you hear things like um, back when I started a, a good well, a vertical well might produce say 50 barrels of oil a day or a really good one might be 100. Today, uh, a good well would produce somewhere between 500 and 1,500 barrels a day. And that's because of the exposure to the, to the pay zone that the horizontal drilling actually does. So our customers are, without question, we are seeing what we would call capital discipline in our business. So and when I look back at other boom-bust cycles in the oil and gas industry, uh, a situation that we're in today where the price of the commodity has gone way up, um, we would typically see a really substantial increase in the rig count in North America. So the rig count um, is, is slowly ticking up in both Canada and the U.S. So, um, you know, in, a, in previous up cycles, we'd see 10 or 20 or 30 rigs a week being added to the rig count. Today, we're seeing between 5 and 10 uh, in North America. And that's a, that's a much more disciplined approach. It's much, much more sustainable. So our view is we've, we've probably got all the makings for a, a longer upcycle here than what we would have seen in previous uh, upturns. And based on that information, Mike, um, would you expect it not only to be longer, I guess, but just less volatile because, uh, you know, energy and energy services over the years have been uh, historically a volatile, a very uh, treacherous space, I'm going to say, for investors. You, obviously, you got to get the cycle right. Um, do you expect us to see this uh, cycle not only extended, but maybe elongated um, based on what you're seeing with capital expenditure? We would, we certainly feel that way. Um, you know, as a company, we feel like we've got a competitive advantage uh, and that's been proven by our ability to steal market share um, from the biggest service companies out there. The, uh, the slow, steady increase in the rig count um, PHX's ability to capture market share, um, you know, geopolitical stresses that uh, we're all familiar with is probably leading to a prolonged uh, upcycle for commodity prices, which therefore leads to our, our customers um, adding rigs slowly as opposed to cutting rigs quickly. And so, uh, yeah, our view is uh, the, the stars are lining up 
for what would hopefully be a uh, extended up period for the industry. Yeah, Mike, as Jack and I have been uh, saying for some time, the ESG theme has certainly kept money out of the oil patch. Uh, that pent-up demand, of course, uh, at some point is going to make your phone ring. And, well, obviously you're telling us you're beginning to see it now. We're going to take a quick break, get right back with uh, Mike Bucher. He's the president uh, of PHX Energy Services, uh, Calgary-based company, uh, trading on the TSX under PHX. Stock also pays a 6% dividend. I'm going to talk about the safety of that income as we uh, get back to him. We're having the break. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. And listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground come a bubbling crude. Oil, that is, black gold, Texas tea. It was only well, the first that thing easy to find crude these days. Hey, Mike, back in the good old days. <laughs> hey, you take out a gun, you shoot, you, you, shoot, you shoot at a possum, and if you miss, you might hit some crude, and you hit payload. Uh, no, no, no. Now they have to call guys like you into build these very deep wells. You mentioned uh, in the last break, 3,000 meters uh, at times you're drilling. That's three kilometers down. And then you hang a right and go across the field, uh, well, to, to be more fish med extracting crude. Um, you have a, your stock pays a dividend. Uh, companies, the stock yielding 6%. Um, well, what is your dividend policy and, and, and what's the stability of your dividend policy, Mike? So we've um, managed through probably a little bit of uh, good planning and good luck to uh, get into a situation where we have no debt or very low debt. Uh, we have an opportunity to grow with um, with some capex. So we're uh, we, yes, we we're big believers in rewarding shareholders. So um, we've been buying back our own shares since 2017, uh, and we've purchased about 17% of the outstanding shares. Uh, the ability to grow with CapEx, um, we, we've got a fairly aggressive CapEx program this year, return to take advantage of this upswing. Um, and then, of course, the dividend. So we were a dividend-paying corp until about 2015. We went through a pretty severe downturn uh, for a few years. We reinstated our dividend at the end of 2020 um, at 2.5 cents per share per quarter. We've since raised that dividend twice. So we're currently at 7.5 cents per share per quarter. Um, our view is we want to get money back in the hands of our shareholders. And um, in terms of a policy, I think our, our top priority right now is CapEx. Number two would be dividend. But, um, you know, we're very focused on making sure that uh, we're getting money back into the hands of shareholders through that dividend. And we'll continue that as long as industry conditions uh, allow that. When you use the word CapEx, uh, friends at home, um, Mike is referring to capital expenditures. Uh, I assume you're, you're going to buy yourself some more drill bits? Yeah, so we um, more certainly more equipment. So we, we call them kits. It's a bundle of equipment that we send out to a drilling rig in order to steer the well from vertical to horizontal. Uh, we're, we're in the midst of adding uh, somewhere in the range of uh, 50 additional kits uh, this year. 
Um, our view is, well, we're going to see the rig count continue to tick up. Uh, we don't think the rig count is going to um, uh, to accelerate, and it'll probably slow down once we get to, say, close to 1,000 rigs uh, in the North American market. Uh, and we're basing that on the fact that um, there is a tremendous amount of capital discipline, uh, discipline from our customers, and uh, the industry probably only needs something around 1,000 rigs to actually maintain or slightly grow the, the production here. And I, what I'm talking about is North America, U.S. and Canada combined. Uh, so you, you, you can really sense. Sorry, sorry. You can really sense the the trepidation, uh, even in your own industry, about really moving forward uh, too aggressively at looking for more crude. And and again, if you don't find enough crude in what's a very tight supply demand market, none of it spells well for the consumer at home uh, amidst you know 120 dollar crude prices. You got to think crude is going to go up. And I, so I want you to answer that question, your call for crude, if you may. This might maybe step out of your comfort zone a little bit. You always have a very valid opinion. But I also wanted to get your uh, thought uh, going back two years ago. What went through your mind when energy went negative a barrel? Yes, they would pay you to take barrels of crude off of uh, for, uh, to, to tankers. Well, our, uh, we've got a bit of a unique situation here at PHX where the, our management, our executive team has been together a really long time, um, in excess of 20, year, 20 to 25 years. So we've seen lots of ups and downs. The, the downturn in the fall of 20 was unprecedented, obviously seeing negative uh, crude prices. But that, of course, was short-lived. Um, so our strategy is just hang on. Uh, things are going to get better, that, you know, um, and certainly that was the case. It's probably accelerated a little faster than we even anticipated. But our view on crude prices is I probably don't think 120 is sustainable. Um, you know, you'll, you'll continue to see the rig count uh, tick upwards in North America and other markets as well, the Middle East. Um, so, I, you know, $110 a barrel today might be $90 a barrel later this year. We'll We'll see, but even at those numbers, that's very attractive economics for our customers. So our view is that um, we'll continue to see some uh, pretty positive signs in our industry in the foreseeable future. The price of natural gas as well is quite strong. And, and speaking of natural gas, Mike, um, let's talk about the geopolitics. So obviously, Ukraine and Russia, I'm going to say, was uh, not only you know, is one of the catalysts that, that caused oil to move higher. Um, what's your views on uh, energy supply going forward? Uh, obviously, Russia is a big player in the market. You have unfriendly jurisdictions like Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, you're working in a friendly jurisdiction, obviously, uh, that being the U.S., um, up here in Canada as well. Um, what's your view on the landscape going forward uh, with geopolitics and, and how we source our energy? It It is um, frustrating, I think, is probably a, a light term to for us to sit where we sit, um, to think that um, the world needs more of what we can do. And there's been lots of political pressure to to get out of our business. But the truth is the transition is probably going to take longer than, than a lot of people would probably like, but there is a transition underway. Um, but for now into the foreseeable future, uh, the, we have to produce energy to keep uh, the world going. We have the ability to do that here in North America, and uh, we should do that. That's our view. Um, let us do what we do because the, the whole industry runs very efficiently. Um, 
if we have to uh, source crude from other parts of the world, well, that's okay. We'll do that. Um, but certainly, there, there's there's an opportunity to uh, have all of the oil and natural gas we need uh, produced in North America if um, if we were just allowed to do it. I, I think that's underappreciated. The fact that um, you know to, to maintain the standard of living that we have here in, in North America and people around the world want to have the, the same. Uh, you need energy. You need oil supplies, um, and, and getting it from Canada and the U.S. Like I said, friendly jurisdictions is very important. Um, based on that, it's we talked about this, the ESG, so environmental, social, and governance uh, movement out there. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're, we're I guess, restricting uh, supply, or we have been over the last, you know, kind of say ten years. Um, what's your view on the space, and how do you deal with uh, those types of investors, Mike? So we uh, we launched our first ESG report um, just over a year ago. Uh, it was very positively received. We just re- released our second one earlier this year. Um, you know, we as a company, we're very focused on ESG concerns, and we as an industry in North America, uh, there's no other uh, uh, region in the world uh, that that oil and gas industry in the world that is, is as focused on ESG concerns as the North American market. That's that's just a fact. Uh, so we've got all the reasons to produce uh, resources responsibly here, and that happens. Uh, and we'll continue to, to focus on ESG items um, as they come along. Our customers are demanding that uh, we follow tight ESG rules and policies, and we're quite happy to do that. And, and, and when you follow the policies, Mike, um, getting back to the institutional, I guess, landscape, um, is it well received by the, those types of endowment funds, institutions, uh, large investors? Because a lot, lot of that space is sort of pushing away um, some of the oil and gas and, and trying to obviously go green, which is, as you said, the transition is upon us, but it's maybe a little bit premature to completely exit the space, especially from a, an investment point of view, when you have such strong uh, fundamentals, cash flow, dividends, all the, the fundamental things that investors look for. Yeah, and I think what what's happened is there was a there was a very big push a couple of years ago. M- my gut feeling is that um, uh, money managers have probably um, I don't know if softened their view a little bit is the right word, but I, I think once they see what's happening in our industry and how responsible the industry is, um, and quite frankly how profitable the industry can be, uh, this is an industry that is focused on shareholder returns more so today than it ever was. Uh, that, to me, uh, bodes well for uh, future investment. My friends, uh, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, say thank you to uh, Mike Buecher, president of PHX uh, Energy Services, uh, trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Uh, it's an oil drilling company. And, uh, well, they do very, very fine work. Uh, Mike, thank you again for your insight. Uh, I wish you great success. And uh, may you see your $18 share price uh, in the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm going to speak with Yuri Link, uh, one of our infrastructure analysts uh, at Canaccord, uh, get his take uh, on the uh, construction industry uh, coming out of the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.
Canada Day. Hope you're having an amazing weekend. Uh, glorious, glorious time of the year for us Canadians. And well, hey, why not extend the uh, extend the weekend into Monday? Uh, U.S. markets closed. Canadian markets will be very, very quiet. And uh, eh, take the extra day off. Enjoy yourself. Why not? Uh, why not? Indeed. Uh, Yuri Link, uh, one of our managing directors, uh, is an analyst with Canada Cord. He covers the capital goods. Sector, uh, spinning and Tormont and uh, engineering firms like Stantec and WSP Global. Uh, he understands big equipment and uh, long cycle uh, activities, shall I say. Yes, you don't build roads and bridges in a day. It takes a long time to plan and execute. Um, Yuri, to, please speak to your, your sector. Again, a very what I was taught called a long cycle sector, government contracts. Uh, long infrastructure projects. This was such a theme when I actually got into the industry. Uh, infrastructure rebuild, a global phenomenon. China creating cities like never before. And, and that was from 20, call it 2000 to 2010. And then it just seemed to hang in there, you know, perform sort of along with the economy, but it wasn't the highlight. Uh, again, you're coming out of pandemic, so much government interest in spending money to, to reinvigorate the economy. Did you see any of that spill over into your space? And what is the current mood right now in the industrials? Yeah, well, that's a good question, uh, Wolf, and thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. I, I agree. There, it was a big theme, and um, these stocks did really well for the first uh, 10 years of, of the 2000s. And then, um, you know, the, the crisis hit, government budgets got hit. Um, commodity prices, which is, which also play a role in demand for for some of these companies, some more than others. So those were in a long funk. Um, but as we sit here today, we're we're quite bullish on the outlook for for this sector in general. And there's there's two reasons why we finally, after years and years and years of of talk about it, they they finally passed um, an infrastructure package in the United States. Last November, uh, Biden passed the, the trillion-dollar Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and um, that's that's in law, and, and and we're starting to see some of that money actually trickle in already um, into some end markets, particularly water. But um, this is a this is a key one because it's going to provide visibility for states and local governments. Uh, the, the funding visibility that they need to undertake long-term big projects that, that, that just wasn't there before when they were on an annual funding mechanism. And um, we're seeing this start to translate into the, the backlogs and the organic growth profile of, of a lot of the engineering firms. Um, they've, been, they've recovered from the pandemic. Organic growth is ticking up. And, and we pay a lot of attention to that KPI because it's, it's the best indicator of utilization, utilization of their employees. And if you can, if you can, you know, get get that utiliz- utilization up, everybody's billing hours. It does wonders for your margins. Um, and and so we're we're bullish on Stantec and WSP in that regard. Um, and uh, the the other thing that that I would say is is a nice tailwind here is is commodity prices. I, I understand that they've come off. 
but um, you know the the price of copper and and um, oil and also the the EV metals are also very high, and that's spurring investment. And and so you're going to need uh, engineering firms to do your environmental assessments, get your social license, um, and then you know the the finnings and the tormonts can also uh, supply a lot of equipment into that. So. Um, the, the last thought on, on this, and I'll turn it back over to you. I don't want to go on too long, but um, it's just that the, the, these stocks are all down. These stocks are all down year to date. They had a great year last year, um, and they've all underperformed by a wide margin uh, this year, despite putting up good numbers and very constructive um, guidance for the, for the near term and long term. So, so we're telling our institutional clients to go out and buy this weakness uh, because we think these stocks are, are well positioned. Well, again, there always is another cycle. And, you know, um, you have to say our very own technician, uh, Javit, uh, has done a lot of work um, around the four-year cycle. And he's been calling for a four-year cycle reset, which we are right in the middle of. Uh, and that's basically when the, the, the bull market ends, you go into a bear market, uh, and once the bear market ends, you set the deck for the next cycle. And I think that's what you're basically advising your clients. Fill your boots, get set for the next cycle when it comes to the uh, long cycle industrial uh, names. But uh, let's, let's now speak to uh, your, your clients' clients. And you mentioned the word water. Um, let's, let's, let's start in that industry. Jack and I own a stock called Xylem. It's one of the world's largest water companies they get involved in and putting in municipal systems they get involved in, in management and monitoring and upgrading uh systems internationally and uh, jack and i believe it's a it's a 10-year 20-year play uh what what can you share with the audience about the water industry and why it's so i think critical and, and also an opportunity for long-term investors yeah so um for your xylem, I, I would say um, the one that I cover that's that's a pure play on water is, is H2O Innovation out of Quebec City. Um, pure play water, they're on the filtration, um, operations and maintenance, and then they also sell a lot of consumables into that space. And um, their organic growth has, has really been, been ticking up uh, quite a bit. And the, you know, the, the, there's a bunch of, of you know, long cycle secular demand drivers. The first being that, you know, the existing infrastructure is old and, and needs to be upgraded. And then, you know, population growth and all this housing activity uh, requires uh, new infrastructure builds. And then just the safety aspect, um, you know, there's been quite a few, um, you know, incidents like, like in Walkerton where, where people are drinking, uh, they don't have access to clean water. Um, and, and that's a huge problem that, that needs to be addressed. So I agree with you. I think this is, um, this is a, you know, 10 year plus, um, opportunity. You know, I, I'm surprised with all the media attention Walkerton received so long ago that it still doesn't have clean water. Uh, the show is Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday. I am Wolfgang Klein. Uh, portfolio manager, along with my partner, Jack Hartle, portfolio manager. Uh, delighted to spend some time this evening with uh, Yuri Link. He's one of our analysts. Um, he's been covering uh, the industrial uh, engineering uh, space since I've known him. Uh, so very, very well uh, entrenched uh, in 
a very, very critical, I think, industry uh, here at, at home. We're going to take a quick break and get right back with Yuri Link, uh, Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned, 640 Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good I'm feeling good I feel okay. Buble, thank you for that. Michael Buble, helping us teed up Canada weekend. Going to keep the CanCon spinning as long as I can. Well, that wasn't the last song for the evening, I must say. Sadly so. Uh, shows about money. Uh, we like to squeeze in some fidelity. It just makes everything, you know, feel so much better. You know, when you're feeling down and if you're looking at your account and saying, oh, it's been a tough year, and it has been a challenging year for all of us, uh, the opportunities are in front of us for investors, not traders, not market timers, but for investors. Things are on sale. If you're feeling really down, play some happy music. It's Canada Day weekend. Enjoy yourself. Uh, this too shall pass. There will be Clear skies in the future. Mark my words. Do we get through the pandemic? Okay, we're going to handle rising interest rates as well and inflation. Uh, Yuri, uh, give us your opinion on um, pricing power or inflationary pressures in your space. Again, to your, your industry uh, your, or your clients, the people that you uh, uh, analyze, uh, obviously labor-intensive in many, in many parts of it. Uh, labor markets are very, very tight. Uh, inflation is rampant. Uh, what type of inflation and pricing power and pass-along abilities do your clients have in the industrial space, Yuri? Well, it obviously varies by company, but you know the, the ones that, that we've talked about, and, and the, they're my highest conviction ideas right now, the WSPs and Stantex and, and Finnings and Tormonts, um, part of the reason is, is that they're not only... Um, they don't only really have pricing power, they're, they're, they're very well positioned here. So Finning and Tormont, for example, they're, they're the authorized Caterpillar dealers in, in their respective territories. And, and to translate that, if you've got a project and you need a piece of equipment or you've got a piece of equipment and it needs a, a filter or a part or whatever to, to run, um, you're, you, know, you need to get that job done and you're going to pay up. And, and the dealers and Caterpillar itself have, have been pushing through uh, double-digit price increases year-to-date. We've written about that. Um, and by and large, their, their clients are, are eating these, these price increases. They don't have a choice. And um, they've actually had uh, really good margins. Both, both Finning and Tormont had very good margins the last two quarters. So I would argue that they're you know, they, they wouldn't tell you that, but they're, they're probably benefiting a little bit from, from the tightness in, in, in the market for equipment. Um, as for the engineers, I mean, they're, they're not, um, they, they turn their backlogs wolf really quickly. Um, you know, they are on multi-year projects, but, um, you know, they, they, they bill every two weeks. 
at every milestone, and, and a lot of these agreements are, are cost reimbursable. So it's like an open book to your customer. You know, I have to pay my staff, you know, five ten percent more. Um, that has to that has to get passed on. So again, uh, both WSP and Stantec, you've seen their margins uh, rising uh, year on year through the first uh, quarter of this year. So uh, another reason why we like these these stocks. Uh, Jack, you got a couple questions there for Yuri. Yeah, sure. Uh, and again, thanks, Yuri, for joining us. Um, with it being Canada today, uh, I figured we'd talk about lumber, uh, pressure-treated lumber. Um, you're talking about, you know, uh, equipment services sort of being inelastic. If you, if you have a machine, you got to make sure you get it fixed. But um, my deck's uh, kind of falling apart in my backyard, and so is my, <laughs> uh, my fence. But I've been de- I've been delaying because of uh, pressure-treated prices. Uh, you cover uh, is it it's distribution hardware. Um, or sorry, domain building materials, the, the former Canwell. Um, can you maybe talk about that? What your expectation is for pressure treat and um, yeah, views on prices coming down? Yeah, I mean, um, the old adage, the, the best cure for high prices is high prices. So, you know, it's exactly what, what you're talking about. I mean, people are going to defer or, um, you know, some of this composite stuff um, at, at these levels is, is, is you know just as uh, just as expensive. It, it was usually at a very very big premium. This composite material for for your deck, which is which is a great product, um, and lasts. Uh, you don't have to sand it and all that. And and I think that that's a big big competitor uh, to to wood that might you know you might see more switching and in, in away from wood, which will drive the price down. So we we see you know lumber's from uh, lumber's probably not going anywhere. Um, and, and might remain under pressure here in the, in the medium term because, um, you know, I think, I think renovation activity might slow down. Um, building uh, housing starts might, might slow down a little bit here or maybe even contract given, given the rate environment. So I would expect uh, if, you, if you stay on the sidelines, you might save yourself some money when you finally pull the trigger on the reno. Right. And are, are you seeing inventory build? Uh, with some of these, uh, like I said, I mentioned domain building, but uh, them and other, uh, I guess, commodity suppliers. They're, uh, I don't, it, 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 they work on a consignment inventory. So it's still their their customers um, inventory. Um, they don't really hold inventory for very long. So I, I wouldn't see it. Just their business model doesn't allow any kind of big inventory build. Right. And just, just with the inflation uh, inflation and higher interest rates that we're dealing with, um, you mentioned Tormont, you mentioned Finning, uh, potentially benefiting. Um, what, what are some other names that you really like in your space in a higher inflation, higher um, interest rate environment? Um, well, I mean, I, I would just continue with that, with that theme of, um, you know, where I'm seeing growth and, and, you know, another name that, that I hadn't mentioned this morning, um, if you go a little more uh, down market cap, but still over a billion dollars would be uh, the Badger Daylighting. Um, now it's called Badger Infrastructure Services. Uh, we upgraded this one late last year um, and uh, we, we like this one. Um, the, the macro's turning, they've, they've repositioned their, their fleet in, in growth areas um, and they're now 80% um, infrastructure. So most of that is utilities and then, and then infrastructure. Uh, they're only 20% oil and gas. Um, but 
if if oil and gas capex uh, grows, which which it is supposed to this year, they can easily reposition some trucks back into that market and, and take advantage of an upswing there. So the stock is closer to a 52-week low than than high, and and the valuation um, that we noted in the in the piece we put out this morning is is actually pretty attractive. So so that's one that that uh, we really like here as well. Yuri Link, managing director engineering and construction sector global view on things uh fantastic insight i can't thank you enough for, for spending time with us this canada Day weekend you enjoy the rest of it my good friend jack as always delight working with you did a great job teaming up the guest producer of the show i uh, host the show while see wolfgang klein please any questions uh for jack or i uh, go to our website wolfgangkline.com uh we're getting through the crisis we're holding hands and well on a relative basis we're doing just fine. You can take a look at our performance. I think you'll be quite impressed against WolfgangKlein.com. Have a great weekend. I'll speak with you next Saturday. Same bad time, same bad channel, 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.